Welcome back to The Buzz. I'm your host, Paige Nelson, and today we are tackling the issue of abortion and how recent Supreme Court decisions are affecting both sides of the aisle here in Utah. On June 24, 2022, nearly 50 years of Supreme Court precedent was overturned in the ruling of Dobbs v. Jackson. This effectively reversed both Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey, sending the decision on abortion laws back to the individual states. Back in 2020, Utah Governor Spencer Cox signed into law a trigger ban that would make abortion illegal if Roe and Casey were ever overturned. Almost immediately after the Dobbs decision came down, this ban went into place and Planned Parenthood of Utah sued the state over denying abortion access to women. Currently, the trigger law is in limbo as the case works its way through the court. First, we are going to hear from a Utahn who represents the people. One of our Buzz contributors, Reed, met with Utah State Senator Janie Iwamoto. Senator Iwamoto is currently serving as a Senate Minority Whip working at the state capitol in Salt Lake City. When a new abortion law, including trigger ban language, was being voted on in 2020, she, along with all five other women representing the Utah State Senate, walked out of the capitol in protest. There were so many uh, bills that were, to me, very offensive and stepped into the realm of, you know, our right to privacy, women's right to privacy, but also their choice. And it was, uh, it was uh, somewhat organic. We had talked about how some of these, the bills that were coming up were over the line, you know? So that, if I remember correctly, that bill was the one that had, before you could get an abortion, you had to have a vaginal um, ultrasound mm-hmm. and that was over the line and I remember I think it was then Senator uh, Deidre Henderson I think she moved for a change to take out the word vaginal but when it came time to vote we just looked at each other and got up because we had talked about how it, everything was going over the line and we just looked at each other and we it was nice because it was all you know, all the women, it wasn't, you know, we all just walked out. And then, so it was pretty, it was a pretty um, striking emotional moment. And afterwards I had colleagues um, who apologized, you know, like, you know, that not understanding or whatever. And so, yeah, that was a kind of a seminal moment for us. Can you on with just your reactions from like the recent um, bills and everything. What was your reaction to the overturn of Roe v. Wade in our state's attempt to pass that trigger law? Yeah, I mean, it it was, you know, that is where the power to um, vote, who <laughs> import, you know, is very important that people, I hope they see this as a very important issue to vote for among a lot of things. But um, with the Senate, majority and their views um and then having that supreme court um how it was you know stacked you always hope that they're going to look like they uh, some of them had said that they would not overturn such precedent you know and that's discouraging but i wasn't surprised what i was (laughs) it was surprising it came so fast and quick and uh, upsetting And, uh, you know, just the stress that it caused, not just for me thinking of my daughter or children, whoever they marry or whatever. And it is just like how it felt like we were going so back in time 
when women had served all you know gained rights to voting rights for equality all these things and we're we're having these same problems today and for men and women you know to not see that and respect but we all have different filter things that we think but that's it, it was very upsetting and i know across the nation it's caused it's still very stressful for people where they want to live where they want to be educated you know what companies they want to work for so so right now the trigger law if i'm correct with the new abortion bill is in limbo in the state supreme court um, no. Well, there's two bills. There's uh, mm-hmm. the one over one Senate Bill 174, mm-hmm. and there's um, I know it gets confusing. I have to kind of remember because then the Attorney General did one to the Supreme Court, if I remember. And Bennett can look because he he's uh, he can. I'm not feeling so great today, but I um, but the the Attorney General with others have tried to make it so that our trigger laws would be in effect now. That hasn't been ruled on. And I'm, you know, why we would do that, I don't know. Because, you know, mm-hmm. and so it's harder to go back and I, maybe that's the point. So then we have the 174 that has been enjoined for 14 days and now a preliminary injunction while they, they rule on and there were some things during that session that came into effect. And one was the, um, I think we had the eight week, 18 week period. So right now before 18 weeks, um, it's the same, but this new 174 would make it effective at any gestational age. So right now we're in limbo, it's enjoined and that's what we're, what are you expecting from the upcoming decisions from the state Supreme Court? I have no idea. No, I mean, you know, I'm not in there with mm-hmm. their discussions. Um, we have, I feel, a really, uh, I'm on the confirmation of the judges. And so we've gone through really, well, on, if we're talking about the Supreme Court with the attorney generals, um, I don't know when they'd rule. Um, you know, but they um, are really, you know, when we've gone through the questions and things, I mean, they have to vote with the law and the Constitution and they can't be biased and um, which is good, you know, and I have a lot of respect and hope for that uh, Supreme Court because I've gone through the confirmation hearings with them, a lot of them, so. It's like the minority Senate kind of hoping for the decision if you know if you could find like that perfect medium can you speak on that at all yeah I mean I guess for our caucus I think we're pretty aligned you know in how we believe that we would love for them to be you know 71 74 to be not constitutional of course um and so I I think we're pretty aligned as a caucus how we feel I'm sure you saw. I don't know why I was like, I don't know if you saw. I'm sure you saw. But this past month, the Coalition of Utah Republican Legislators signed signed cease and desist letters to abortion providers and funders of abortion. Can you speak on your reaction to this? Were you surprised, frustrated? How was, like, just overall? I was upset, but 
at some point you're not surprised anymore, you know, um, but actually that was like what? It was on letterhead of our legislature, which was wrong. And that's unfortunate use of power. Um, it was not based on law. It is a preliminary injunction um, and that is the law. So legally it was incorrect. There were a lot of really good, I can't remember the names of the authors, but really good articles in the Tribune um, and also from our, leg our Office of Ledger Research and Legal Counsel talking about legally it's a preliminary injunction of what that means. And if you're in law, you know, I'm a lawyer, but, um, but it, to me, it was a very unfortunate use of power and using the letterhead was wrong. It was, they didn't unethical. tell you they were going to use no. the letterhead. Well, we'd hope I, I, you can't, you shouldn't use letterhead for the right. Or well, something I, like mm -hmm. I figured an official letterhead, they would alert the other members yeah. of I was just got the same news as you did, you know, and and that's not uh, usually our legislative leadership. We're pretty talk about things, but of course we're not with each other all the time. But this was clearly not something we were, you know, involved in at all. Of course, knock on wood, right? <laughs> yeah. So as a representative of the female sex, if you will, um, not only for Salt Lake, but honestly our entire state, at, like a representative in our state Senate, are you feeling the pressure from your constituents about the, about the abortion bill, about upcoming decisions that are being made? I'm lucky because my district, the district um, that I've had, District 4, which is going to be 14, um, I feel only solidarity and um, the way I feel. So I, on the whole, you know, there's, it's not all black and white, you know, like there's, but on the whole, I've had the majority in support, very upset for themselves, for the future, for their children, uh, a lot of concern. So I've been lucky to have that. On the whole, have I received wacky, you know, like, <laughs> I should say wacky, but uh, thing people, because some people really have that feeling that abortion is wrong. And I, I don't judge that way, you know, at all. Um, but um, on the whole, I've been, I haven't received too many of those. And so I do respect, and I just want to say too, if we get to this, um, that, um, you know, I just believe that we are inserting ourselves into one of the most personal decisions a woman has and their family. And I've always believed that it's between yourself and your love, you know, loved ones, your doctor and your higher being, whatever you believe. And it shouldn't be something that we dictate, you know, and oftentimes in our legislature, we do all this for life. But once the life is born, we don't do anything. Do we give medical care to everyone? Do we do, you know, it, it's like, that's what life is, right? You, it's from, it's all stages, but I am, during the sesh, that session, I had one of my doctors and he testified. And I, I kind of, I found his testimony because he wrote such beautiful things and, um, and I don't know if you, I want to share it, but he was, he talked about, um, 
you know, like, I know in political aspects, they'll say baby killers or this and this. And really, I have never known a person or, and he believed patients that want to have an abortion. They don't want to end it. It's not like something, oh yeah, I just want to do that. But there are situations where you need to have that, like, you know, uh, if you have a child, like I remember when I was pregnant, they warned me about that trisomy and that you could, it's very difficult because the baby will be born, but die within hours or shortly after. And, and actually when I had my, one of my, my daughter here, there was a woman who was in the recovery room with me because I had a C-section and she was, it was hard because they were crying and holding the baby till it died and going through that whole process of giving birth. So that's not for everybody. <laughs> and this is my doctor said he was not a proponent of abortion. In fact, I've never performed an elective termination in my career. And I do respect, he said, the sanctity of life. I also fully understand that some women, most of whom already have children, there are times and situations where it is just not possible for someone to continue a pregnancy. There are so many reasons for this and showing people in the situation compassion and respect is essential. And he said, for government to intervene in one of the most personal experiences people encounter is something that he does not believe in. And I really love that because he he doesn't do abortions, but he understands the importance of that choice. Um, so, you know, many times when it comes to political discourse, there tends to be a compromise in communication within, you know, the disagreeing parties. Do you see that in the future for Utah state abortion laws? Well, so there is compromise when we do bills a lot and that's just the nature of the beast but on these divisive issues sometimes it's hard but i can see possibly on some of the vagueness i can see having a doctor have a felony conviction um and then there's things like um well last year i just want to say i passed a bill it was i was the senate sponsor and Ken Ivory was the house sponsor of crime victims reparations amendment. And I've done a lot on campus safety and sexual assault, domestic violence. And, and we know there's this reparations fund, but in order to get it, you have to report and actively do a case. And if someone is strangled, uh, you know, there's things requirements. So we've learned a lot. And so that bill passed last session. And if people remember that we have learned a lot that women uh, uh, victims of, of rape or sexual assault, they may not be able to go on with the prosecution or report it to a police. I mean, there's various reasons. They're scared. You know, if you learn what a victim goes through, that it, they have to take control of their life, and this is not what you do. So in that case, we say go to a victim's advocate first. You know, that's okay, too, to get these funds that will help them through. Um, and then with strangulation also, I mean, we just put into law that if you go to a hospital and you have that proof, you don't have to go to the police. And so in this one, like when you're on some of these restrictions that they have in the new laws, you have to have reported it. And that is not how it, it 
we, we've evolved and know differently that that's not something you have to do. You're penalizing a felony for the doctor. You know, there's just so many things in these laws and nuances that are just, you know, so archaic, so punitive that I think they have to address them. And I hope the medical community will step up like they did before. It didn't necessarily work, but my hope is that they can change things. And um, so uh, I believe Angela Romero um, is one who was trying to change that report on crime because that, that doesn't fit with what we passed last year and people understood it. And I believe that passed unanimously, I think. I, 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 was, I didn't feel the pushback on it. And so I think that's gonna be important. So who knows? It's divisive topics that end up, you know, like all these laws that are now in place that passed that session. Some failed, like the cremation bill, but they're going to have to address ectopic pregnancies and miscarriages, everything, and incest. Think of that, like having to report. You, you it could be your father. I've had, I've, well, I worked um, at the public defender a summer while in law school in California, but you know incest happens are you going to report your father or you know and then you're going to have to carry that pregnancy to term that's just unthinkable so one last question for you um is there anything like any words soothing words words of hope i guess anything you want to say to the citizens of utah who are scared about the, the outcome of our upcoming abortion bills and the trigger law I share their fear because <laughs> I think, wow, I'm, do I want my kids to be subject to that when they get of age, if they have something hard for them, you start looking at the neighborhood states and who's going to accept it. It would make me think, where do I want to work? Are they going to support this type of thing? I mean, now people are thinking of these things and younger people are thinking about these things earlier. So I say keep involved. Um, I'm still worried. But the most important thing coming up is voting. And it scares me. <laughs> because uh, we the that's where the they say the House is in trouble, the Senate maybe but the Senate is just like our Senate on a local level, we do confirmation hearings of judges, they make laws and they stay here for longer than legislators stay here, you know, and so and they have lasting impacts. And so that can be the one thing that's, depending on what you think, it's a very controversial thing. And I just, I would love to have, I feel confident in our judiciary too, that they're gonna stand by the law, but the laws are governed at different levels by different um, thoughts. And so who may or may not stand by the cut, you know, they, uh, by what they have uh, said they would do. So anyway, I think vote right now, get involved. I think the youth these days are really involved in important issues. So I thank you for taking the time to be involved too. It's important to hear from people who are making our laws, but it is equally as important to hear from the people laying the groundwork. This includes private and nonprofit businesses like Planned Parenthood of Utah and the Utah Eagle Forum. Norm, one of the Buzz contributors, headed down to these businesses to learn what drives them to continue the fight over abortion in the state of Utah. After Roe fell, nothing seemed certain anymore. 
Nearly 50 years of precedent disappeared with one decision. The Supreme Court kicked everything back down to the states, and since each state is different, there were no uniform abortion laws anymore. Some states, like Utah, had trigger bans. These are bans that would outlaw abortion as soon as the Supreme Court handed down the Dobbs decision. Currently, Utah's trigger ban is on hold, as Annabelle Scheinberg, Vice President of External Affairs at Planned Parenthood Utah, explains. Essentially, the trigger ban has been put on pause due to a lawsuit we filed against the state of Utah. Our local counsel for the lawsuit is the ACLU of Utah and Zimmerman Boer, a firm called Zimmerman Boer. We've been working with the Planned Parenthood Federation of America legal team to prepare for this moment. And where things stand now is abortion is legal in Utah up to 18 weeks. Planned Parenthood isn't the only organization involved in the legal and legislative battle. There's action being taken on both sides. Annabelle and Planned Parenthood are fighting on one side, and more conservative pro-life groups like Utah Eagle Forum are on the other. Marianne Christensen, executive director of the Utah Eagle Forum, lays out what is next now that the Dobbs decision has been handed down. We are working with organizations and legislators who are going to be passing legislation to make it, um, to smooth the path for women who won't have the choice of abortion anymore. So that means trying to make it easier for families to adopt babies that a a mother will bring into the world but doesn't want to keep, Um, making it easier for the woman to get, making sure she has resources that she needs. And there are a lot of resources already. Pregnancy Resource Center and Pro-Life Utah are just two organizations in the state that provide those. But now lawmakers are also looking at state solutions for helping a woman who's bringing a baby into the world. And she, maybe she doesn't have the normal family circumstances that, that give her the support she needs. And so there's, there's going to be a lot of legislation in this next session. And, and we are working with legislators and pro-life organizations to, to see that those solutions are put in place. Even as Marianne acknowledges the work she is trying to accomplish, she knows there are still challenges, especially concerning the lawsuit Planned Parenthood filed regarding the trigger ban. In Utah, we had a trigger ban which means that after the the Dobbs decision, our ban on abortions in Utah, with few exceptions, it would take effect immediately. And legislative research looked at it and, you know, they just made sure that, that the trigger was ready to take effect, that the Utah statute in every way supported the ban to take effect. And, it, and they ruled on that very quickly. And I think it was just 24 hours later, they were saying that, yes, the trigger could go ahead and take effect. Planned Parenthood, they petitioned the court for a stay and the stay was granted. So right now abortions are still happening in Utah. Just last week, I think, we hit the 1,000 mark. There's been 1,000 babies aborted in Utah since our trigger was supposed to have t- taken effect. So the Attorney General's office is is working on a court case to to make sure that our trigger can take effect. And we thought we had gotten to the point where we wouldn't have abortion happening in Utah and and that's been delayed. And so we're looking forward to the point where that's all been through the court systems and, and our ban can actually take effect. It isn't just organizations that are trying to make sense of the recent shift in American life. Even people who have been wanting to see Roe fall understand that there is always a fight to be had. When I asked him what his goal was, Tim, a self-described Catholic conservative praying outside of the Planned Parenthood office in Salt Lake, said, Total ban on abortion is what I'm praying for. How long have you been out doing this? Um, We do this every year for 40 days, and some of us do it year-round. Even though both sides see the fight as something that isn't likely to end soon, there are still reasons to be hopeful. Annabelle explains that tough moments sometimes serve as a call to action. 
I think at this point, there's no denying that we all have to show up for the things that are important to us. And I think it has emboldened some people in every direction. But I think, again, the urgency of the moment uh, creates some opportunities. And we're doing everything we can to show up and to connect across these very challenging situations so that we can together preserve our democracy and the kinds of rights and freedoms that we hold dear. It's clear that we won't have an answer to what abortion laws will look like in the state of Utah for quite some time. We can expect to see a change after the next court session rules on the trigger ban, but that isn't the only decision that needs to be made. Like we heard from the Utah Eagle Forum, there needs to be legislation put in place to help expecting mothers so that even with the decline in abortion access, women can still get the care that they need. Thanks for tuning in to episode two of The Buzz. I'm your host, Paige Nelson, and we will see you next time.